Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. You're listening to episode number 117 of the Awesomers Podcast series. And the tradition has been now well established. Just go to awesomers.com slash 117 to find today's show notes and details. Now, today is the final part in our three-part series with Michael Kakaris, uh, who's the co-founder of Deliver. And remember Michael's deep experience where he worked at Twilio in the past and Symphony uh, after that, he was able to kind of put some of the pieces together to figure out, you know, is there a unique approach to this market? And today we talk a little bit about the audacity of challenging Amazon in this uh, very complex space. And in our past two series and, and a little bit today, we talk about the brilliant and very smart idea of partnering with existing infrastructure players that have the infrastructure there, but they don't have the technology piece. So this is a very smart play. And I think, you know, these guys are definitely going places. So let's jump in to today's conversation, uh, maybe midway a little bit, because this is part three of three. Let's do that right now. Okay, Michael. So here we are. We're back again. Uh, Steve Simonson on awesome.com podcast, talking with one of the co-founders of Deliver. And again, we'll have in the show notes the, the links and so forth uh, to Michael's company. But t- tell us, uh, and I'll, I'll help you if you don't hit on the points that, uh, that I find fascinating, because uh, really my opinion is what counts the most here. But uh, <laughs> the, the, what, what is one of the things that makes Deliver very unique compared to some of the other things out there? Yeah, I think we view fulfillment as a revenue driver and not as a cost center. And for us, when I when we bring on a seller, we want to see, okay, how can we improve your, your GMB on Walmart and eBay to the greatest ability? And I think the way we do that is through these fast tags. And we understood very early on when I talked to all these different sellers that fulfillment for marketplace sellers is all about search. And how can fulfillment impact search? And it's really with getting that green two-day badge, getting that green guaranteed delivery badge on eBay. And that really is a game changer. And so for Walmart, we're bringing in Walmart sellers and we're doubling their GMV on Walmart. Uh, for eBay, we're bringing in eBay sellers around 20, 30% increase um, when you look at the guaranteed delivery lift. And we're looking at adding more and more of these fast tags with these new marketplaces coming out. And there'll be more announcements over that over the next few months. Um, and so because we understand that right now, I mean, 95% is Amazon, 5% outside of Amazon or 90, 10, whatever your business is, but usually your business has most of your business coming from Amazon. And so if we were just to replace that existing 5%, but not increase that at all, 
I don't think we're really solving the problem. And then we just get viewed as, okay, what are your rates? Here are these guys' rates. Let's just undercut and undercut and undercut until there's no margin. And no one's increasing volume. All that's happening is that you're just, you know, giving them like $5 fulfillment. And so that's what I'd say is the number one thing that differentiates us from any other type of fulfillment service out there. And you can see that on our website. I mean, it's very heavily on, okay, how's this going to impact search? How are you going to see the growth in sales? Here are items that really have taken off. Here are sellers where you've been able to take them from nothing to something, like from zero to one, right? As Teal would say it. Um, and so that's what I'd say is number one. Number two is the pricing side. So we understood that the pricing model that most 3PLs to have makes absolutely no sense. Like you're going to have no idea what you're paying. And especially when you get into, if you're just doing ground shipping, it makes, like you can kind of figure it out. But when you get into these fast tag programs like Walmart two-day and Seller Fulfilled Prime, eBay Guaranteed Delivery, well, now you're escalating onto two-day a lot. And you really have no idea, number one, what you're paying for shipping because it depends on the carrier, the zone, um, and the ship method. Uh, number two is warehousing. So warehousing fees would be you have receiving, you have an account management fee, that's monthly. Um, you have storage fees, a bunch of different buckets of storage fees. Um, you have order handling fees, you have pick pack fees, you have a box fee, you have an insert fee if you want that. If you want a packing slip, you have a packing slip fee. And then when you look at all these fees, sellers are used to the one rate from FBA. How do they even understand what all these fees are? And so we obviously talked to a lot of different sellers and like, I can't get past one day conversation with a typical 3PL. So we said, okay, we're just going to take that FBA model that everybody knows. It's going to be fulfillment and storage. We're going to put in the exact same structure, um, exact same type of billing structure that FBA does so that you understand your bill and your invoice. And we did that. And then we built a cost calculator on our website where you put in an ASIN actually, and it tells you what the cost is to deliver. And then we also put it in the seller portal. So when you create an account, you see it for every single item, what your cost previews are. So before you even send, you know, am I making money on this or am I losing money on this? We don't want you sending anything that you're going to lose money on. And we know that it's all about, uh, it's all about margin. Uh, and then number three, I would say is just ease of integration. And so we, you know, when I looked at FBA and, and this was a little bit pulling from Twilio Learnings is that to really empower small and medium-sized businesses, everything needs to be self-serve. And so the experience you give, because we do something so specific, the experience we give to someone like in e-tails is going to be the exact same experience that someone who maybe does one order per day on Walmart gets. And we want it to be something that small and medium-sized businesses can try out, test it out, see how it's going. And they don't have to worry about upfront costs or, you know, going getting into contracts or anything like that. We want to create a rapid test environment. We can try out different SKUs and see how it goes. And, you know, for example, we worked with this very, very small seller. She put on two SKUs on Walmart, went on two day, caught fire. Now she's a hundred orders per day. And now it's building an actual business. At the time, you don't really know what's going to happen. But if we had a traditional fulfillment model where we said, okay, you have to give us a thousand dollars up front. We won't even let you join if you have $5,000 monthly. You know, she would have never been able to join and she would have never been able to grow. And that was a learning I took from Twilio. Shopify had that as well. They have that philosophy of really empowering small, medium-sized businesses. And I think that really makes the difference, especially when we're trying to you know, go from nothing to something. So I'd say those are the three pieces that I would say makes Deliver different. Yeah, I think those are all very much on point. So kudos to you for passing my, my test. Uh, the second, or not the second piece, but the, the overarching piece of that is the fact that you guys were able to 
put this this existing infrastructure into play, right? So instead of you guys again running around and signing individual leases and then you know going out and buying some forklifts and then hiring some people and somebody gets a book about OSHA compliance and they're like, oh crap, we don't know anything about this. You guys took a much faster approach. Talk about you know how you how many warehouses do you have and and what's your vision on where that's going to go? Yeah, so I mean we have locations in California. I think we have three now in California, Texas, Missouri, and then we're out in Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania is now going to have two as of this week. And then in four weeks, it'll have a few more. And, and then adding New Jersey and Virginia, hopefully by the end of this year, if not early next year. And so it's, yeah, it's over 10 uh, locations for sure. I think where that's going is probably, I mean, next year you might see 20, 30 different locations. And for us, I mean, you know, like we talked about, saw we knew existing, you know, some existing warehouses from, you know, my existing uh, role at Symphony Commerce. So I, you know, knew some 3PLs and um, kind of had an understanding a little bit how they operate. And, you know, we have a centralized operations team that manages the relationship with each of them. Um, but really, I mean, they kind of just treat us as one seller. And so we're like a Macy's to them or something like that. And we're one account and um, they treat us as a single account. So we have individual pricing with each of them. And then we have, you know, a special integration into each of them so that we have a certain level of visibility. And in addition to that, we have, um, you know, our operations team has a direct line of communication with them. So if issues come up, like they always do, um, especially around holidays, things happen and we have a direct line, we can contact them. And then we also have a programmatic way um, through certain APIs to turn things on and off. And yeah, I mean, I think that's that's how we approach it today. That's how we've been able to work with it. That's how we're having you know 95% on time delivery. Um, and so far, it's been a very strong model for us and being able to expand very very quickly. I think it is. You know, it's both unique and, uh, if I may say, very smart as well. Uh, you know, this th there's plenty of people who see the opportunity, and it's I think you're you're really smart um, to talk about earlier. Uh, when you talked about this idea that, you know, there's, there's going to be more than one game in town. And, and I often refer to people, you, you may be too young for these uh, examples, but you know, you can Wikipedia them, but you know, <laughs> there was, there came a time where uh, I was walking around with a, a Palm pilot and uh, thought I was the coolest guy on the, on the block. And everybody's like, Palm, man, Palm, that's the way it is. Oh my gosh. You go to Silicon Valley, it's Palm, Palm, Palm. And then, uh, you know, just a few years later, it's like, no, no, I'm cool because I got a BlackBerry, man. This thing's got a keyboard right on the thing. It's the coolest thing ever. And now BlackBerry is the only game in town. Palm is bit the dust and dead as a doornail. Uh, BlackBerry, of course, saw its time come and go, essentially, with the advent of the iPhone. And people can argue whether or not, you know, the iPhone is, you know, still the number one. It certainly is in terms of profit and market cap. But Samsung and, and other Android devices have continued to overlay that in terms of total units sold. The point being, these things do change. Anybody who thinks today that it's, it's written in stone that Amazon will be the king of the internet 20 years from now or even 10 years from now is missing the point of history. And I'll tell you what, Amazon knows this. If anything, Amazon is extraordinarily successful because they operate on that day one philosophy. The minute they know it goes to day two, that's when they, the trouble sets in. And as, as 
brilliant as Bezos is at keeping everything together, there are some people in Amazon operating on a day two mentality. They, some of the people in seller performance are, I, I remember them telling one seller after they had absolutely incorrectly suspended his account just before, uh, I don't remember if it was Black Friday or Prime Day, but a competitor put in a bunch of fake safety complaints. He got suspended. He had a million dollars worth of inventory in there, lost all of that sales momentum he would have otherwise got. And the guy at Seller Performance, after uh, you know getting him reinstated, basically said, hey, what's the problem? You've made plenty of money off of Amazon. You know, quit, quit your whining, basically. And that's a day two mentality. And I'll tell you, that's what's dangerous at Amazon. And whether or not they can they can overcome that day two mentality or not, I don't know. But I can say this. This is a free market. Google wants a piece of it. Facebook and Instagram are going to have marketplaces. Other contenders we haven't yet identified. Maybe it's Target. Uh, who knows who else it is? Something's coming, and people should pay close attention. What do you think about my rant there, Michael? No, I think it makes sense. I think, I mean, the one the one value about Amazon that I really like, and it's something we've carried over. It's they call it customer obsession. Um, it's not seller obsession. It's customer obsession. And Amazon is just complete. So we have a lot of a few advisors here who are very early at Amazon, um, you know, kind of VP level um, at the Amazon. And they, and they talk to us about the culture and kind of how they treat it, um, you know, especially when they were starting Prime and when they were starting fulfillment. And they treated every single order with so much importance. And if an order missed SLA, that was so painful to them. Um, and so for us, we, I would say, are more seller obsessed. And you know, when we miss an SLA, we have a story about why that order missed an SLA. When a seller onboards and they can't connect Channel Advisor to deliver for some reason, we watch the user story. We talk to Channel Advisor. I look at every single user story from every single seller every day. It's getting a little bit harder and harder to do now, but um, I still try to do it. And we're just absolutely obsessed with sellers. And when a seller is unhappy, you know, we make that a really big deal and we really care about that. Um, you know, even certain sellers have given out my cell phone number in case certain things come out. Now, in terms of how scalable these things are, I don't know, but it's that level of obsession that I think really enables Amazon. It really keeps Amazon on their toes. And I mean, even today, if you get a wrong product from Amazon, you say, Hey, I got a wrong product. I'm going to send you a free product and they're going to weigh the, the cost. And that's because that DNA is there. It's installed by Jeff. And that's something that will never leave the company. Now, when you get bigger and bigger, it gets harder and harder for Jeff to instill that in his employees. And so absolutely, you're going to get, it's going to get very corporate and it's very corp, getting very corporate now. Um, and eventually Jeff's going to want to move on and, you know, kind of live his life. And um, that's the way it goes. But, you know, for someone like a deliver that's very small, we can stay obsessed for a very, very long time. Um, and it also means, you know, for our sellers, they get a lot of attention. So that's why I'd say it's a little bit of a difference. Um, but one of the values I really, really love about Amazon and something that when these new marketplaces come out, um, I think the one thing that they need to be is buyer obsessed. And if they can bring the buyers, I think Deliver can really bring the sellers. Yeah, I think uh, very, very good summary there. You know, just just having the prospect of seller obsession is a, is a cool idea. Um, you know, we've heard these conversations at Amazon about uh, seller love and so forth. And we've seen it ebb and flow in fairness to them. There are times where there's a lot of attention on it and times where there's far less attention on it. Uh, we hope that that gets more consistent at Amazon. But for all of the other marketplaces, I think your advice is so uh, wise. 
become buyer obsessed. Make sure those customers have extraordinary experiences. And Amazon's already set the minimum level of acceptable standards. So you got to be as good as Amazon or better to compete. If you're not, you're just you're you're an afterthought. You're you're an also ran. And uh, so, uh, Michael, I've enjoyed our time today. We're running against the clock here. Uh, I just wonder: is there any um, any final words of wisdom you care to leave to the awesomers out there? Well, I think uh, the one thing I'd say is, you know, start looking outside of Amazon. Um, you know, it's never, you know, initially I used to say, you know, you need to have X amount of sales on Amazon to really start looking outside of Amazon. And now I'm actually challenging that own viewpoint as I'm starting to see very small sellers take off on, on Walmart and eBay um, kind of with Deliver. And so um, whether or not you use Deliver, I think it's, it's good to approach this from, you know, multiple channels. And you know, really, but to really know, I mean, to really succeed on these other channels, you have to put as much effort on it as you are putting on Amazon. And when you do, you're going to see results. Um, if you don't, you probably aren't going to see results. And I think it's really that simple. And I, you know, I, you know, seeing, uh, you know, someone who does this part-time and take off her volume just because she only focuses on Walmart is really kind of a, it was a powerful learning to me uh, the past few months. And so, yeah, I think that'd be my one advice. I love it. I think it's uh, good advice, and that's good enough for the final word. Uh, awesomers out there listening, we'll be right back after this. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals, congratulations on your success to date. Your creativity, strategic vision, problem solving, and discipline have allowed you to build your own e commerce business. Wouldn't it be great if you had more time to focus on the things that truly drive the sales and growth of your company? Instead of getting lost in a dozen different services and countless spreadsheets, what if there was one system that connected to your Amazon account and automatically gave you the information that you needed to make great decisions and really impact your business? Parsimony ERP can do that. Parsimony is the business operating system for your marketplace business. With Parsimony, you get true double entry bookkeeping, easy financial statements, full customer service tools, and item-by-item item profitability, along with project and task management, and more features are being added all the time. Learn more at parsimony.com. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com, parsimony.com. We've got that. Okay, what a fun conversation with Michael. And it really is it is interesting and, and unique to see, you know, a young upstart company that is able to kind of take on Amazon and, and try to beat it at its own game while leveraging kind of current infrastructure. Really, really smart play. And I definitely think these guys have a, a, a very interesting future ahead. And I appreciate it, Michael, sharing his view of the future and, and how, you know, things will you know, both compete and coexist at the same time. So very interesting stuff. Again, this is uh, the last part in our three-part series with Michael. Um, and this is episode number 117 of the Awesomers podcast series. All you have to do is go to awesomers.com slash 117, and you can see today's show notes and details. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guests, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again.